Hello and a very warm welcome back to Real Estate 2020 Vision, the podcast that brings you the people and the products shaping the future of residential real estate. My name is Guy Westlake and I'm founder of Lavanda, the world's leading flexible rental software globally for multifamily, student accommodation and service department assets. If you're interested in finding out more about what we do, then please just visit www.getlavanda.com. So season two, episode six. Today we're going to talk about purpose-built student accommodation, PBSA. So often seen as its own asset class with a number of idiosyncrasies that really set it apart from more generic forms of residential living. The reality is that PBSA is in fact the birthplace and the driving force of so much innovation across the broader residential sector. Today, it's my huge privilege to be joined by Rob Moyle, CEO of Collegiate, an award-winning student accommodation operator here in the UK and one of the leading lights of the PBSA scene. Rob, welcome onto the show. Fantastic to be here. Thank you for the invite, Guy. Now, Rob, I'm going to chuck it out there that I reckon there's huge numbers of people working within the real estate industry who are still learning about student accommodation and even more specifically about PBSA. So the level of knowledge is not very deep. Let's start with some real basics. Tell us a little bit about what is Collegiate and what are you doing today? Sure. Thanks, Guy. Rob Moyle, CEO of Collegiate UK. We manage about 10,000 beds, student accommodation. We have approximately 34 sites with a mixture of owned and operated assets, as well as managing assets for other third-party clients. I've been in this role for about just over two years and was jettisoned in when Arlington Advisors purchased Collegiate UK in the middle of the pandemic, actually. Wow. I can only imagine it was a crazy ride jumping into a new student accommodation business at the very height of the pandemic. But let's come to that in a minute. Rob, let's... Wind back time a little bit. How did you get into student accommodation in the first place? What's the path that took you to this point in your career? I'm an army brat, right? So my dad is a retired brigadier. So I got to travel around the world. Australian army? Yeah, look, absolutely. My accent probably gives that away, I would think. So yes, I'm an Australian in the UK, right? Maybe we'll start there. I've been in the UK now for a little over 10 years and got transferred across here by a company called Campus Living Villages, um, who are a purpose-built uh, student accommodation manager of assets, not just here in the UK, but also in other countries. But I came across when CLV first entered into the UK market, and that's how I actually ended up here. I think I promised the CEO at the time I'd do three years. We're here now a decade in. Obviously, I've worked for various companies since, but I, in fact, got in to student accommodation via Campus Living Villages and started my, I suppose, career in PBSA in Australia before coming to the UK. And the way I actually ended up in student accommodation was my parents actually happened to be in a city in Australia and Campus Living Villages were looking for a manager and a headhunter actually picked up the phone and I was working in hotels and my background isn't actually hospitality and hotels and the management of properties that way and, and various four and five star hotels. Anyway, he picked up the phone to me and he said, would you be interested in student accommodation? And student accommodation never actually been ever on my radar. I didn't really even know it existed. So I said, well, what's that all about? And he said, well, look, you need to speak to these, these guys. They've got a scheme that they're wanting to take over and they want to build 500 beds and I think you might be a good fit. And because my parents happened to be in that town, I went, okay, well, and we had a newborn at the time. I went, okay, well, let me have a chat. And I sat down at the interview with these guys and coming from my hotel background, 
I sort of sat down and I said, well, how many beds, right? It was 800 beds that they were taking over and building another 500. So it was about a 1,300-odd bed site. And I went, 1,300 beds, right? I've got my hotel hat on. I'm going, that's a massive site. That's like a casino. I said, you know, what sort of occupancy are you looking at? And then they said, oh, 98, 100%. And I'm thinking, oh, is that for a month? Was that for a week? Uh, again, with my hotel hat on. And they said, oh, for at least nine months of the year. I'm going, what sort of business is this, right? 100% occupancy, nine months, 1,300 beds, right? Again, with my hotel hat on. And I said, okay, and how many staff? Because, again, hotels have hundreds of staff. And they said 15. And I went, what? I said, 100%, nine months of the year, 15 staff. This is a crazy business, right? Because I knew how hard we worked to, to fill the beds. And I suppose I started to actually have a look at it. And I mean, this is well and truly over a decade ago. And I'd come from a hospitality background and had a lot of training in that, worked my way through. And I was a general manager at that stage with a hotel company. And I went, there's money all over this, right? Why are we all doing this, this business, right? And I was thinking how hard we were working at hotels. And then I looked and I went, why are we all professionalising this, right? There's some real opportunity. There's, there's a whole hospitality career in, in this business that I never even knew that existed. So I, I suppose by convenience, I sort of joined, but also because I was really curious coming from a hotel background, what, what this business and purpose-built student accommodation was all about. But then I suppose what, what's kept me in is there's just so much to do, right? I still think we're very much in the early days of there's a lot of great professionals. So when I say professionalise this business, that's not to say it's not professional, but there is just so much opportunity, I, I feel, to build careers for people, you know, and do things in this sector that we haven't even done yet. So I suppose I must have done a pretty good job at that site in Australia because two years later, the, the global CEO of the company tapped me on the shoulder and said, we've got some problems in the UK. We've got one site and we need someone to help put the platform in and, you know, fix a few things. And as I said, I, I said I promised I'd do him three years and I ended up in Salford, which is a little bit different. And worked on a site there. And then I suppose I worked for CLV for probably nine, nine years in the UK and left when they were about 13, 14,000 beds. So that was quite a journey going from 1,000 to, to 14,000 beds sort of over a nine-year period. And I probably had about five different roles for CLV before I joined Arlington and then as an operations director for them. So I was on the other side, the asset management side of the business and the investor side. And then one thing's led to another and there's a whole story behind that. But at Arlington, we'd grown to a, a, a reasonable number of beds and we had five different operators managing those assets. And it came very clear to a number of us at Arlington that we needed to have a platform and that was either build one or buy one. And we did our homework and ultimately we ended up buying Collegiate, uh, the platform here in the UK to take on all the assets that, that we currently manage. That's a pretty perfect potted history. Thanks so much. I mean, it really touches upon so many parts of this sector that are just so relevant today. Least of all, the sort of the hotelization of the asset class, the fact that you came from hotels into the world of, of student accommodation is, is in itself kind of ahead of its time, albeit 10 years ago. 
question how, how did your family deal with the relocation I mean, it's a big move to go from from australia to salford how did that all work out how did you go about selling that one into the rest of the team well, we looked at it as an adventure, right? And it's an interesting question, isn't it? Because, you know, half the family thought we were nuts and then the other half of the family thought, wow, what an opportunity. And, and I mean, if we go back to my childhood, because of the nature of my father's job being in the military and being an officer in the military and getting number of postings all around the world, I absolutely saw it as an opportunity to live somewhere else. To be fair, I'd been in the UK as a backpacker you know, a lot of Australians and, and come across here, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 to sort of do the working holiday piece. So I'd already done that when I was a lot younger, but I absolutely saw it as an opportunity for my, my young family at the time and myself and to, to I suppose, experience a different, a different life and a different lifestyle. Although, to be fair, there are a lot of commonalities. We're very different in the UK. In Australia, but there are a lot of commonalities. I suppose we're more like cousins, right? When it when it comes to comparing, similar humour, I think. But it was, it's been a great, it's been a fantastic journey, right? When I look at all the things that I've been privileged enough to be party of here in the UK, and all the fantastic people that have crossed my path or joined various organisations that I've been part of, and just seen what's happened in the last decade in this sector, I just think. I've been very blessed, actually, to, to to be one person where there are many, right, to be part of that. Well, Rob, I think it's safe to say we're very, very lucky to have you. I mean, for somebody who started off as a backpacker to then return later on in their career and become a major contributor to the student accommodation sector in the UK, you know, which in turn creates a halo effect of benefit for our economy. Um, you are now a major contributor. <laughs> um, so thank you. My next question for you, Rob, is to do with your long-term vision. As CEO of Collegiate, what's the big plan? What's your vision for the company? Great question. Uh, look, I suppose there's two parts to that in my mind, not even a third. There's the short-term element and then the longer-term element and then sort of the real long-term vision of where I'd like things to sort of go. So uh, for some context, I think, you know, I got jettisoned in to collegiate quite literally in the middle of the pandemic two years ago and in fact my introduction to the team was via zoom because all the offices were closed and saying hello to everyone and saying i'm your new boss i suppose but you know what we have done in the last two years says a lot about us as a business and the very people that are part of my team or or part of the team in that We've put on over 7,000 beds, I think about 7,013 beds, over 29 new sites and brought in over 100 new team members from five different other operators. So in the short term, in a COVID environment, just embedding all of that in and all the change management and all the challenge around that, that's absolutely been our focus and still is very much right. our focus, that sort of change management of bringing all those different cultures into one business to, to, to create, I suppose, and complement the collegiate culture. And then the longer-term piece with Arlington Advisors and, and ourselves, we're very keen to, to grow the platform and grow the business. So, you know, a lot of what I'm looking at currently is, well, how are we going to support our next growth phase? So, you know, even 7,000 beds over a two-year period, COVID, 
that was challenging. Or how would we, you know, take on the next, let's just say, 10,000 beds and how do we get to, say, 20,000 beds? So that's the other part, I suppose, that I'm focusing on with the team. So there's the embedding what we've got and making sure we've got the appropriate systems and processes and people in place and then, you know, we can we can focus on like all good businesses on the revenue and the profitability and the growth and producing great customer service and great university partnerships and meaningful jobs for our employees. Forgive me if this is an obvious question, but where do you now call home? Is the UK now your home? So where do I call, start with that, where do we call home first? Um, well, well, I suppose I've got two homes, haven't I, right? It, it is the UK and Australia. Although I think when you start living abroad, you never fully belong to a home anymore. Maybe that's hard for people to sort of understand unless you've lived in a number of different countries. But by actually living in different parts of the world, it changes the way I think you see the world. You know, I'm going to interject for a second. I really, really empathise with you because I have very similar background. My father was officer in the army, British army. Mum and dad lived overseas for a lot of my life. And, you know, I was always schooled in the UK. So it was really complicated because we moved around every two or three years. Um, and the question is, well, where's home? And, you know, it's not a simple, it's not a simple question. But the answer was always, you know, home is not a single place. It is wherever my mother and father and my brother are and wherever they were when I got there that was coming home right that was that was what it meant and what it felt like so my life experience has taught me that home is where your family is and that can be anywhere yeah absolutely right and in fact my family is in Australia currently and because they ended up over there when COVID hit and they remain there and you know they've been across they've flown across a couple of times i've flown across to australia a couple of times so we're leading a very i suppose weird life by most people's standards and whereabouts is home in australia so in a place called the sunshine coast which is about an hour's north of brisbane which is a beautiful part of the world people might probably the most prominent town or city that's known in on the sunshine coast is a place called noosa so we're not noosa but we're on the sunshine coast and i get the best of both worlds right i I love everything about the UK, even the rain and the colder climate, because it's appropriate sometimes to be in that sort of environment. But I also enjoy the sunshine and, and the beach and surfing and doing all those sort of great things. So two places called home, definitely. And Rob, the people that know you best, so your friends, your family, how would they describe you, the person that they know when you're away from work? Yeah, look, I like to think I'm more or less the same in both environments, although I'm probably lying to myself, right? Although I, 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 I do note my wife does. <laughs> I, I do note my wife sometimes says, you sometimes talk to me like I'm an employee, right? That's so, the point of the other half, maybe, though, isn't it? <laughs> maybe I am the same, both at work and at home. I'm, I'm certainly, oh, look, I'm a strange. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think so, right? But I don't want to be full of myself either. I'm a strange mix of being introverted and extroverted, actually. So I quite happily spend all weekend at home by myself, but also I'm quite happy to go out and socialise with friends, you know, and I'm very much a, a glass half full person. I think mostly positive and fun to be around. And, and I try to see things, you know, as they are, not, not worse than the than they are. I think that's really, really, really important. Let's turn our attention back to Collegiate now, Rob, and tell us a little bit about some of the projects you're engaged in and why they're particularly exciting. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I suppose I, I've alluded that, we're, you know, we're, we're building a team currently and, I mean, we've already got a great foundation. I mean, we've got multiple projects 
again, when, when you've grown so quickly, particularly in a challenging environment, there's there's a lot to do, right, and in embedding people and systems. So there's a lot of that that's going on. But, you know, I'm certainly very much focused at the moment on the training and development of the people. Short stage development, absolutely. So that's, you know, and, and that's part of, I suppose, how we've connected and, and the great work that, that, that you, you do, right, and your team does. I certainly think there's a lot more work to be done in that whole short stage development piece. There's the student journey that we're, we're re-looking at. I think there's a business intelligence stack that we're, you know, we're looking at as well. And I, I really want to become data-driven in the business. I think that's really important. I think from my standpoint, you know, good data and being able to bring that all together in an organisation lets you make really good decisions. Again, you know, as a CEO, you use your gut for some things, but I think that can be fraught with danger as well. And if you can get the right information and the right data from you, whether that's from your property management system or your finance or your payment gateways or your customer engagement or through your sales, right, how you bring all that together. So there's a lot of work going on in the background and how do we pull all that together in a way that we can make really good decisions on. Just reflecting briefly on the challenges of the last few years, are there any lessons that you've taken from that experience that you'll now take forward with you in your career? And equally, are there any trends that have accelerated as a result of COVID that you now think will last and will positively impact the sector? Sure. So I, I think it's important to making sure your core is always right, right? Back to the customer and, and making sure the products, the right products and all those sort of normal business pieces that you would look at. But I think the pandemic has accelerated the acceptance of a business having a mobile workforce, right? So, you know, where people might have all been in an office five days a week, I think we've also come a lot more agile as a result of the pandemic. And I think, you know, I think the ability to react to things that come at you as a curveball, right? There was no manual given to anyone in the sector when it came to COVID, and it was nearly every week, what's going to happen next and how do we manage that? So I think as an organisation, one thing we've learnt to be is agile, right, and how do we make quick decisions and react very quickly to whatever the circumstance is and making sure that we have, you know, the right communication systems in place and, and the right way to, to manage that as a business. Longer term, I, I mean, I think the ESG element's quite interesting in our sector, that whole environmental, social and corporate governance. I think there's going to be a lot more work around that. But again, I also think, you know, we're looking at how do we make our model more flexible? I mean, that's partly the agile piece that I was talking about, but, you know, what does the future what does the future of education look like? Are we just 51 weeks or 44 weeks as a, as a business model? Or how could we provide a really flexible, dynamic model that could or what might come up in the future? In your career to date and in your journey to CEO of Collegia, are there any people who've really shaped and influenced you professionally? Is there anyone who's really given you the confidence to kind of step forward and grow in your career? Great question. I mean, I genuinely do feel you become like people you associate with. I think there's some saying, isn't there, you become like the five closest friends or people that you're around. 
So I think that association piece and who you hang around with has a huge impact in the way you think and see the world. Look, I'll get myself in trouble, right, because there's so many different people that have influenced me either directly in my career, whether that's various CEOs that I've worked for and, you know, I'm hesitant to mention everyone because I'll miss someone, right, and they'll come after me and say, hey, (laughs) that's not what you told me when you were working with me. But I, I would say for someone, you know, there is so many good role models and information, whether that's gaining knowledge through various podcasts or through YouTube or, you know, what I'd encourage people. Most people that are in leadership positions, if you pick up a phone and say, hey, can I have a coffee with you? I've got some questions, right, within reason. I'm more than happy, actually, to sit down and talk about how they might have got from point A to B. I would say it's a bit of a journey, right? And and just to apply and stretch yourself. You know, I started off as a porter at a hotel and, you know, I didn't, when I was a porter, ever think I was going to become a CEO of a business. But as you grow in your career, you actually find you're actually capable probably, well, you are capable of doing more than actually you know you can. So it's, it's very much a journey. It is. And I really think that your journey specifically has equipped you so wonderfully to be a successful leader within the student accommodation industry as it exists today. In fact, particularly given your experience, I'd love to know how you kind of see things strategically. What are the key elements driving your strategy as you look forward? Yeah, look, I I mean, it goes back to the customer requirements, doesn't it? And providing them what they want, not what we think they want. The kids that are at school now, right, the 16-year-olds that we need to sort of focus on and understand what their needs are. But one of the interesting things that I think that came out of the pandemic is, you know, I know from colleagues and and, and just internal discussions at the point, we were very nervous that all education, and it did, it went online, right? And what does that mean for us as a sector if education gets delivered online and students get their learning via various video conferencing and what is the need then or what, what place do we have in the sector in providing student accommodation if they can get their degree remote and don't need to actually be on campus? But what we have found is students, I know this is a general statement, but generally hated that, right? They hated being stuck at home with mum and dad on the whole and actually they wanted an on-campus experience in purpose-built student accommodation right nearby or actually on campus so that they could mix with their friends. So I I think for me, that's been actually quite reassuring that there's a very, very bright future for our sector. And and then the, the next part of that is, you know, what innovation can we bring in that actually adds value to our customer base? You mentioned innovation. Where does technology sit exactly within your overall business strategy? Yeah, look, so I suppose I've already mentioned the BI stack and, and the being a data-driven business so that we get that information in a timely way. I think that's absolutely important. There's a lot of work going on in the background there. I think there's a real interesting, and, and the ESG piece, right, that, that I've briefly spoke about, I think there's some really interesting things there. But I, it, for me, it's how do we bring all the elements, right, that we know we need within the business somehow 
with some form of technology, right? So whether that's a resident app, you know, the property management, the digital marketing, how I I haven't seen anyone do that yet, right? You mean a single kind of integrated platform? Correct. I think there's a huge opportunity there. And there's a lot of talk about doing that. And I think there are various companies at different stages of working all that out because it's a big, big task, right? Our, our, our business is simple but not easy as, as a business. So I think there's a really interesting piece and I'd, I'd love to work with people that are looking at how we bring all that together because ultimately, you know, for me, I'd love an Amazon one-click experience for the students. Now, I know that's a bit of a fantasy. It may well be a fantasy today, but it's a super important goal to aspire to. Right, exactly. And, you know, when I look at the customer journey from our piece of work that we've done and just look generally in the sector, I don't know whether I'd have the patience of being a student and the processes that you have to get through to finally get a route, right? And I think we could just simplify a lot of that, right? And I'd love to work with people who've got that sort of similar like-minded thought. Are there any apps or technology platforms that you've come across in researching the market that you're really, really excited about? And if so, I'd love to hear why. You know, it's early days with some of the investigating we're sort of doing on what, what, what is out there. There's a lot of buzz and talk. And obviously, people put their best foot forward. I haven't seen anything yet that delivers all the things that I, I would like. I mean... We love working with you guys. I know you said you didn't want to shout out, but we do. And, and to be fair, guy, I did actually ask my team before we got on the podcast. I'm going, is there anything I need to know? Oh, God right? forbid. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for this. <laughs> and, and, and I can, but I, I can confidently say, right, all the feedback with what you're doing has been fabulous from the team. So, you know. Again, I know this is not what you're asking. I know you're not asking for that, but I'm quite happy to share that. Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. The team will be absolutely thrilled. So I'm going to pass it straight on to them because I can take absolutely <laughs> zero credit. But, but, but you know, I, I think there are various companies currently at various stages of trying to pull everything together. But, you know, wouldn't it be fabulous if, if we could pull something together that's a one-stop shop? For the students because we're just one element right which is an important element which is the, the student accommodation because they've got to have somewhere to, to to live right ultimately and you know but but you know they got to book airfares in some cases they have to go you know go through a, a piece to join the university They've got to go through visa. Like you just think from an international standpoint, all, all the things that they need to do. I mean, ultimately, business in some ways is easy, right? You, you either try to save money for your customer, save time, conserve their energy, or escape the pain so they feel better, right? It really is that simple. Rob, finish this sentence. By the year 2030, Collegiate will be what? The most well-respected, innovative operator in the alternative living sector. Very interesting. And I note specifically that you use the word, or the term, I should say, alternative living. Correct. Because I think, again, there is a really interesting piece, isn't there, right? Particularly from a technology and a platform piece, when you look at that alternative living piece. And that could be anything from 
senior living, right, through the student accommodation and then everything that's in between. So you see the opportunity as being way beyond just student accommodation and being, you know, involving more alternative forms of accommodation. Sort of alluded to some of this, right, but I can see our platform can be built and just tweaked to, to cover PBSA, build to rent, senior living, right? I think that's quite interesting, right, in having a platform and assist in all of that, you know, and having, I suppose, technology that which can cater for all stages. Rob, have you got any pearls of wisdom, bits of advice that you can pass on to tech entrepreneurs who are looking at the student accommodation space and eyeing it up, thinking, yeah, you know, I think I can build something to solve problems within that space? I mean, when I when I think of all the people that reach out to me that I suppose want to sell something, right, and in many cases it's a technology piece, but actually don't bother to actually understand actually what my problem might be. I mean, one of the great skills in life is asking the right questions, isn't it? And not asking questions to validate the answer you want. Indeed. And it's something we keep hearing on this show time and time again, that there are so many solutions being built that just do not address a real problem within the industry. People coming at it with insufficient knowledge, insufficient understanding of their target audience and the problems they face. So really nice to have that highlighted again. Thank you, Rob. Listen, you've been super generous with your time. I really can't thank you enough, but it's time to wrap up now. As is customary, I have a couple of quick fire questions I'd like to ask all of my guests. The first is what's the best piece of professional advice that you've been given? Sure. To distill that to one sentence is very interesting for me. I, I think focus on what's right, not on who's right. Well, that's beautifully succinct, very short and sweet. So well done. The second question is, in another life, if you'd chosen an alternative career, what would it have been? Breakfast radio? I don't know. Do you know what? I find that quite funny. So you're the third person I've had on this show, the third real estate leader who's um, who said some form of broadcasting. So you just, <laughs> we've had two weather readers. We've had one uh, radio, morning radio. I mean, what is it with real estate leaders and uh, the media? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love to say things from time to time that create a reaction, right? And I think maybe I could do that on, on radio, right? And make people, I suppose, make myself and others see things differently. And I think Breakfast Radio could be a really good platform to do that. I might be a bit controversial. I have no doubt you'd be, you'd be fantastic. Now, listen, Rob, we must wrap up. Last question. If you could invite anyone onto this show to hear their journey and their story, who would it be and why? You know, Guy, that's a fab fabulous question. And there's so many good people um, in the sector. And I mean, this is very PBSA focused, right? So I appreciate your audience is not just PBSA, but I suppose the, the piece that interests me, if you could, if we're brave enough, right, um, to bring a group of students and asking them how they see the future, there'd be some pearls of wisdom in there, I'm sure. Rob Moyle, CEO of Collegiate UK, a man of many truths. <laughs> thank you so much for all the time you've given us today. It's been an absolute privilege having you on the show. And thank you very much for sharing with us your Real Estate 2020 vision. All the best, Rob. Thank you very much, Guy, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Real Estate 2020 Vision is brought to you by Lavanda, the world's leading flexible rental software. For more information, visit getlavanda.com. Wow, wow, wow.